everybody to the Lunacy Podcast, brought to you by Roughneck Scars. My name is Tony. I'm here with Dave and Connor. Dave Stevens, Connor Ennis. I am Tony Pervenanzi. This is another Zoom cast, of course. Um, Sunday night, guys. It's been kind of a long weekend after the debacle from Friday night. Um, but putting it lightly. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. We'll get it, into it, that. You know, the weekend started out great. I mean, coming to Friday, you know, yeah. MLS regular season is back finally after four months. You know, it was a long wait just because of the, uh, the, the the late start and but the excitement building into the opener and uh, everything and uh, kind of you know and it kind of changed fast. But hey, at least the the MLS season is back and there's that to be excited about. Exactly. Yep. I had, I mean, I had Friday off, so I was really excited, uh, but uh, no. Um, I think, do you guys have beers tonight? I have, beer. I, have beer. I have I have a beer that we've already had, so I'll go first, because yeah. I wasn't going to get too crazy tonight, because it's Sunday night, and I have to work tomorrow, and you know. Uh, but uh, drinking again is uh, from Third Street Brew House. It's a Minnesota Gold Light Lager. It is a, uh, it's like the, how would I put it? The Coors Light, Miller Light, Bud Light of Minnesota. Um, 3.9%. Uh, so you're not, it's not kicking your ass like normal. And, uh, you know, I don't need to be kicking my ass tonight because I got to fucking work tomorrow for Pete's sakes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Dave, do. <laughs> Dave, what are you drinking? Well, I, um, you know, I just, I figured I'd run out and look for something. And I, I spent about 15 minutes just kind of browsing around the, uh, my, one of my local liquor stores here. And I ended up getting something kind of nice, uh, for a Sunday night, like the sipper. So I ended up going with rare candy. It's a, uh, it's a sour, basically, from Elm Creek Brewery. Uh, oh, yep. There you go. You and David had recorded there, I think, last year, and I've yep. been there before. It's And if I wasn't working from home so much uh, recently, I'd probably be in there a lot more just because it's so close to yeah. where I work and uh, up in Champlain. But this one, they've had different iterations of this. This is my first time trying it. Um, but this one is a blueberry peach lemon sour. And so it doesn't disappoint. It's, it's, um, it's fruity, sweet, and then is definitely tart and that's actually why i liked it you know especially maybe for a sunday night podcast that we're doing here is just because it's a sipper you know you, you aren't going to be crushing these or slamming these down at, even though it does come in at six percent well well stronger than say your yours tony but uh, oh, yeah yeah no it's it, it's it's really refreshing and, and and fruit and sweet and tart so yeah it's a it's a it's a nice change of pace from your typical ipa or a lager for that matter like you're drinking tony so and then one one thing I, I can't wait to get back to Elm Creek is just because they have, you, you know, regularly have 12 beers on tap. Um, I think that's a bit of an upgrade from the last, obviously last time you guys were there and uh, oh, yeah. but their selection is nice too. They, you know, it's, it's not, it's a pretty unique selection. I think they take a lot of pride in, and of course, like all these breweries, but uh, take a pride in, in their beer and uh, yeah, just a wonderful selection, a lot of variety really in there so yeah and i've said it before but elm creek it's nice that they took over the uh old what was that the uh what restaurant was that oh i always get uh, it mixed up it was the salad you know, that they had salad, salad bar the salad ruby bar. tuesdays ruby was it ruby tuesdays it was yeah okay oh, used, okay. used to go there fairly often so they took over the old ruby tuesdays and um yeah and they did a great job with what they did there and uh I always forget, Dave, whenever I say, hey, you want to go to the brewery? Let's go to Omni, because I always think of Omni, but I'm like, holy shit, Elm Creek is like right up the road. I mean, that's true. So and I've actually never visit that one. 
Yeah, you do. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I love their beers. It's funny. I mean, I haven't been, fortunately, they have a nice patio. I haven't even been inside it other than to, I think I took a quick trip over to the restroom, but I didn't really have a, a chance to experience the inside. So hopefully uh, later on this year, we can get up there. The inside is pretty much like the old Ruby Tuesdays was. Okay. They really well, haven't done that's like. Here's here's the deal. And it's it's crazy. And nothing against Elm Creek Brewing because they they have a great place, but they spent all their money on beer and redoing that whole kind of like when you come in to make that bar in there and make it all and then put the patio in. In terms of where the restaurant, like the main seat restaurant used to be, they didn't put any real money into that. They just kind of left it. I mean, it's, of course, they took out all the seating and put their own seating in there, but they didn't put any kind of stuff up or anything like that. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of plain right now. And I'm sure they have, a, they're going to do something with it at some point. Um, but um, they didn't really need to at this point. They just need to get it open, which they did. And it's a great place. So, uh, Connor, what you got tonight? Uh, I am going with a very, uh, with a very familiar brewery in Liftbridge over oh, in Stillwater. Uh, I am drinking a Juice Z uh, New England IPA. I've never had that one, and it's very good. Uh, it's a little bit lighter than most other IPAs that I that I usually like to drink, and uh, the alcohol is only 5%, so it's not going to kick your ass. Like I feel like on this show, I've been really uh, drinking a, a lot more IPAs that are around the 8-7% range. Uh, so this is a little lighter on alcohol for me, and Again, it's not going to kick my ass because I also have to work and drive 10 hours tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but uh, it's very good. It's uh, just, uh, you know, I, I would say not, not quite the hoppiness that I would that I would normally drink, but I would certainly drink it again. It's uh, It's got a blend of Cascade, Citra, Laurel, and El Dorado um, hops here. So it's a nice little blend. And here, I got to show you the can here. In my microphone so we got some crazy stuff going on here oh that's i think that's hops right there yeah it's hops so it's hops it's the it's the, the dragon of hops there you uh, go breathing fire yeah to what looks like a, a bridge of some kind to look the lift bridge i'm just kidding yeah, the lift bridge. <laughs> so i would say yeah it, it feels like with the influx of craft beers that are out there it's you almost got to do something to kind of make your beer stand out i feel like you see more and more in that and i kind of like with me you know i noticed the elm creek beer cans they're very they stand out and i think a lot of breweries try and do that but yeah yours is very flashy and i think it is something that would stand out if you're looking yeah and yeah, it's it's delicious. I, I I would very much like to have it again. And I'm also going all Stillwater tonight because I'm drinking it out of a Maple Island glass here. Nice. Um, out of the other brewery down there. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, three great three great breweries. I just want to say one thing before we get into the game, guys. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this the last podcast, but uh, the Twins, of course, have opened their season, and they did announce that uh, Summit now has taken over the Goose Island Pub at target field 10 flipping years of having goose island as their main craft beer which is a chicago beer by the way right. and finally summit has taken over for them so congratulations to minnesota twins for finally Round getting finally getting a local craft brew company into that pub two, two yep. things yeah is first of wow two things number one wow it's already been 10 plus years uh since target field has been open talk about time flying by holy cow mm -hmm. and then yeah, second, I'm because of that, I'm pretty sure I have a couple Goose Island uh, 
uh, pint glasses sitting yeah. up in my cabinet. Just well, to, the winter, the uh, the uh, uh, what do you call it? The Twins Fest, Dave. We used oh, to go to. Tw- there you go. And that's another thing, right? So we go to Twins Fest, you know, on a yearly basis. Of course, we haven't been there for a couple of years because of COVID and whatever. But um, yeah, the 2018 Twins Fest. There you go. You go to Twins Fest and you go get, they, they give you a free glass if you go up and get, I think it's whatever it is up in there, whatever. And it's got Goose Island on the freaking thing. It's like, are you kidding me? A craft brewery from Chicago is your sponsor at a Twins Stadium. Now, I get it. I, I get, remember back in the old days, they'd have like Bud Lights and Miller Lights and you know, Budweiser, they'd be sponsors. Of, but that was before craft beers really hit it off. Now you should really have, if you're going to have a craft beer at your stadium, it should be a craft beer from your state. Yeah, I feel like that. that's like uh, serving spotted cow at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah. I think, that, like, I think that's just a, a huge oversight by Minnesota Twins. Allianz Field got it right because they went straight for Summit, Surly, and Lupulin when they when they opened up. Mm-hmm. And they did, and, and, and you're right. Allianz Field, Connor, did do that correctly, although they did, they did kind of – pull a fast one when they said they had 42 taps, but really it's 42. They have 42 taps, but only 42 taps, Yeah, 10 beers in those taps. So it really wasn't 42 because everybody was thinking, Oh, it's gonna be 42 different craft beers. No, it's not really 42, which is fine. It's totally fine. Um, It's funny you bring that up Connor, because Lupulin uh, we'll see if they're back at Allianz field on Saturday, because I had heard that they were going to rotate these smaller craft beer breweries in and out. And Lupulin oh, is I think not, that's a great idea. And Lupulin is not really that small, but no, no. Um, talking to breweries we have in the past, when this came up, uh, some of the breweries were like, yeah, we can't do that. We don't have enough. We have a big enough barrel system to do that type of, you know, stuff. And so we'll see who gets in there. I was surprised to see, you know, I was surprised to see Lupulin in there just because, you know, they're big lake and you wouldn't, it's a wonderful brewery. We recorded a podcast there and can't wait to get back again once, you know, when we get up there, but uh, you know, you, you just don't assume that they're going to have the capacity to do that. But I have noticed since that they, you, they are, they have a big presence. Uh, yeah. At, you do. know, a huge distribution around the Metro area. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you which find you, it almost everywhere. You would, yeah. You would find it at most liquor stores for sure. Which wasn't, I mean, I guess it surprised me until they showed us their back brewing area dave and it was huge and they were expanding it you know That's i mean right. it was, into I was other area in yeah. another area so um i wonder if they ever went through with that remember they were gonna put like a like a like a place for concerts in that mm-hmm. one side and they were gonna do oh, like an up, so up top cool. and I, we were like yeah like, tell us when you're doing that we'll come back out here for that stuff that looks that sounds so fantastic cool. I yeah love that well i know i think 56 does that um they've got like a side area where they've got like concerts um in the side area so and i think uh uh forgotten uh star is going to potentially do that as well speaking of them and sorry we're rambling on about breweries here guys but um forgotten star is redoing their whole uh patio area so this winter they did the whole ice rink out there right so they had they had a curling which really guys it was curling but it was like mini curling it wasn't real like big rock oh. curling i saw pictures of it i was like that's not real curling that's like mini curling so um so they redid that whole area and i'm wondering if they're going to put in a permanent kind of rink in there and then also some other 
things. I don't know what they're doing, but they keep showing pictures of them ripping up the dirt and doing all kinds of stuff. So I'm interested to see when it opens back up, what it's going to be like. So, and they're, of course, they're not closed. They're still open during this whole process, but again, uh, so happy stuff. Let's go from happy times, guys, to sad times because there was a game Friday night. It was the opener of the season for our Minnesota United, the Loons, and um, playing against Seattle, our old nemesis. Uh, before we get into the game, let's talk about the lineup, guys, because when the lineup came out, we had a really weird situation. Uh, we're playing our usual 4-2-3-1, uh, uh, and usual suspects are in there. In the back line of Gasper, Kalman's in there because um, Debassi is – a little injured. He's a little banged up. Uh, Boxel, Metnair, and we've got Gregus and uh, Will Trapp is starting. And then up top, it was weird because we had Robin Lud and we had uh, Reynoso and we had uh, Finley. But then we had a guy by the name of Hassani Dotson over on the left side. He's starting yeah. the game. Starting the game on the left okay. side. So it, yes, I mean that you, I don't think a lot of people predicted that. I know I can think of a couple that maybe did, but um, it is surprising, but I mean, we did know going into the game that we weren't, we're the, they were going to be without Debassi. And then also they were going to be without Nico Hansen, who's had a, you know, obviously we didn't get to watch the, 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 you know, the preseason games, but by out from all accounts had a very, very solid training with the club down in Florida. Um, but unfortunately he got injured late. So I think, I don't know, knowing those two things, knowing that Nico Hansen is an out, you know, what I think how I guess we were all surprised. So we'll start with that. But, um, you know, what what were their choices there um, aside from going to one? Well, one possibility, I guess there would have been to start with maybe a, a four, three, three, which, you know, obviously this club has had very limited success with that when they try and do that. And we know it's not Keith's preferred formation, but maybe this was one of those times that we could have seen that, you know, and secondly, we brought up this point, um, you know, months ago, I said weeks ago, but it was months ago, you know, we raised the question, Hey, we're going to see starting the season. Are we going to see Lude in, in the false nine position that he was, you know, back in, you know, back when they were last in Seattle uh, and throughout that playoff run that proved to be very successful. Obviously they were missing um, Molino out there on the left, who was a playmaker in there with Ray, but uh I don't know what, I mean, so my question to you, Connor and Tony, is what would you have expected maybe other than that? Well, I mean, it would have been, uh, I guess, Avila could have started, although he didn't have, he wasn't, I don't think, match fit. Heath didn't think no. he was match fit. That's, um, That's so, a good point. And, there, and there's that. Um, but I'm with the depth we have in this team, I mean, yeah, we, we, we talked about this last podcast. Dotson is a Swiss army knife of a guy, right? Right. He can play multiple positions, but starting him off on the left to start the season against Seattle. I mean, that's, that's pushing it a little bit and yeah. it goes back to the fact. And I, we, I, we talked about this again, numerous times on this podcast, uh, Sterling and I would go back and forth because we both in this had the same agreement. Heath likes to mess with shit when you don't need to mess with shit right and mm -hmm. starting Hassani Dotson on the left on the left is one of those times where he thinks he's going to be cutesy and and do something like this and it just doesn't work out we saw during this game that left side between Gasper and Dotson 
was the weakest side I've seen on this team for at least two years. Definitely. I mean, it was terrible. Clearly. And, and yeah, clearly. And it, it goes, you know, it, it, the right side of that being, especially early on, I was very impressed. I mean, they were clearly, they clearly showed in need. They tried on the left side, but it wasn't as effective. It, it wasn't, I guess I shouldn't say it wasn't, at, it wasn't effective, but on the right, it was, I mean, they were clearly trying to go down the flanks with, with Metnir and and uh, Ethan Finley, and I felt like that worked out very well. Really, Finley really impressed me uh, from the start of the match almost throughout. Um, Metnir as well, just they were playing up wide out, down the flank, and that seemed to work out well, and I know they were trying it on the left, and it just, it just wasn't working. It was just obvious and kind of painfully obvious. And then I guess to kind of answer my own question, yeah, you, you guys mentioned it, you know, with Abela, Abila not you know match fit and like we like we said he played 20 minutes in the final preseason and prior to that he hadn't been in a game since I think I believe it was like almost a year so I mean he has not been in, he hasn't played 90 minutes or even close to it in a game in over a year so I think that's the problem there but at least now he's gotten 20 minutes in the last couple of games so hopefully we can address that later and see him in the lineup but then I guess me personally then if I'm going to answer my own question I was a little surprised that we didn't see Agadello out there starting up top. And then yeah. I know everybody's yep. going to love it, but then naturally that would put Lude back into his left wing spot. I, I was surprised we didn't see that. And maybe I'm, I'm sure, well, now I'm sure, but, and maybe this will change, but that, you know, Agadello is not going to be the first choice striker uh, going forward, but I still given Abula's, you know, lack, of ma- lack of match fitness, then I, I, I expected to see Agadello up there starting and looting the left. And, you know, that's just, you know, what we're going to try. And with Reynoso, you know, with Reynoso, you know, in your central attacking mid spot there, right in the middle with Finley and Lude, I, I think they, they could have been dangerous in that attacking option. And then, you know, I guess I haven't watched Agadello play in, in years, really, honestly, since, you know, I haven't watched him closely since he was with the U S men's national team, but I, that, that's the, I guess my surprise. Where was your guy, Dave? My guy, Langsdorf. Oh, finally. Oh, Foster. Yeah, and I've been, yeah, I've been. I was, we were joking about that all the way back since uh, months ago, into the even before the preseason. That was our only forward for for some time, and uh, but yeah, you, you know, maybe even even there. I guess that that is the thing. You know, you don't left wing is not is not as natural position and then you know you it, that's the kind of case where if Dotson had to come in you know maybe you know maybe you know later in a game put him out there if you have to but just, right. yeah to see him starting out there it was a surprise to most it didn't work uh for the most part and that's why I said I we know he doesn't like going four three three but if they did at least they could have had Dotson in the starting lineup maybe more into that central mid position which is pro, you know is obviously his most natural position yeah as a, as a number eight so well, Connor, Connor, I mean, who are you, I mean, in the beginning of this match, who are you going to throw up there? Are, are you going to throw up, uh, you're going to throw Langsdorf at the center and do the whole thing? I mean, I mean, what's your opinion on that? So I, I think I'm, when you say you're going to put Agadelo up at up front uh, instead of load in the false, in the false nine, I think I agree with that because Agudelo is the more natural striker and uh, he's kind of, He's kind of got that more poaching quality about being a striker too. Maybe he doesn't, he hasn't scored uh, a lot of goals throughout his MLS career, but he's the one who knows to do it best. If you want to keep Avila on the bench and limit his minutes, as he's not match fit. Uh, and then you put Lewis back in that left, left midfield where Dotson ended up starting. 
And then, uh, other than that, I think. How, how about how about Coleman? You know, how about Coleman getting the start? I don't think that should be a surprise for most people, no. given the fact that Debassy didn't play at all in the preseason. He's no. apparently still hurt. And then dur- during that preseason, Coleman had a lot of run running through. Yeah. I think, I think the really based on the substitutions that were made in this game and coming out of the preseason, the only really realistic Just, option would have been Retalia yeah. to start. R- but I, well, Retalia again, is a, he's he's a left back, isn't he? he yeah, I mean, he, I only say that he, he, you know, I only say that because he did come in to replace uh, Coleman in the 80, 79th minute. Um, so clearly. You know, maybe so, I mean, that was an option, but he, he um, might have uh, he might have some experience in center back. But I do think that Coleman is the best choice to start the game because, again, it's his natural position. And if you're and if if I'm being honest, I would almost uh, I mean, I last podcast, I said I would start Gasper to start the season, which I don't think I would change my mind on that. But I think as we move forward, we will see Raitala, uh kind of move into that position and maybe split some starts with Gasper as the, as the games go on, because Gasper's still a young guy. He's inexperienced. He's got, he's got a load of talent, uh, but Raitala has that, uh, has, I, I, I think he's what, 30 now. He's, yeah, he's, got he's the, up, got he's up there. Experience. He's yeah. got that more experience. And I think he, uh, I've, I haven't seen him play a, an awful lot, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Raitala split some starts with Gasper yeah. as the season goes on. Yeah. And, and I know I was, you know, I was happy to see Kim Bamucci. Um, he was available. He was, you know, and that could, you know, that could mix things up a little too if he got into one of those uh, center back positions. Um, and then also DJ Taylor uh, was available. So they do have options. We'll just, obviously, it's not surprising to me or us, you know, knowing, you know, you're not going to, you know, Heath is going to go with his preferred experience squad, I think. Well, so. And uh, before we get into the game, guys, Dane gets a start and goal, which I believe we all, thought he should except for dave who thought Tyler Miller was going to get start but no um so the game starts off guys and i'm i'm very excited because the loons come out and press they press high do some crazy some crazy stuff you know back and forth they're pressing on the goalkeeper the goalkeeper is getting a little flustered uh, of seattle it's 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 the type of game i love to see from the loons to start off the game because exactly that's how you make they make mistakes and that's how you score goals early on uh and it, it was working i mean we we had a lot of possession in the first 15 20 minutes of the game we looked yeah, like they did. i don't team. think they got i don't think they got a shot off in the first 15 minutes but it was clear you know minnesota looked the more dangerous team there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it they were right. they were high up the field that they were very aggressive i was very surprised um you compare like the passing chart from this game to you know last year's you know, Western Conference final, it's totally different. The, yeah. the pos- Tony, you're right. The passing was surprisingly good. I mean, it was, I mean, they were at to end the game. I mean, never mind what happened at the, you know, by the end of it, but he, for the whole game, they're up at 80%, just about, you know, there, a lot of that was short passes up through the midfield, um, but it was working and that, that, you know, and obviously it was clear from the first minute that Reynoso, he is the, he is the central cog to this team. He is what makes everything work, and there's just no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, it, it looked it was a it was a great start on the road in hostile territory, somewhere that uh, you know they haven't managed to come out of there with a win in, in MLS. So yeah, it was a very 
very promising start to the game. I mean, I, most of the first half was really. I like to say this guy's about uh, pressing and being aggressive in the beginning of the game. Now, a team like the Loons can do that, and they do it very well because Reynoso obviously has shown this team how to be that aggressive, and it's, you know, Heath is like, yeah, let's do that. The problem I see is we do that for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and then we kind of back off. Right. And I'd love to see us do it more because we have a lot of depth in this team. The issue, of course, is I don't think that Heath trusts our depth as much as we as fans trust our depth. Um, I, I, you know, when you have a lot of depth on a team, you can do that and you can get guys in and out, you know, and, and make some substitutions. We all know Heath doesn't like to make substitutions. Right. So, you know, it, it's, I like to see it, but then again, I know we're only going to see it for the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game, and then it's going to be back to what we usually do. So, yeah. Um, and to be, to be fair to Heath in this one, he did, he did make as many substitutions for as he, as goals allowed for. So, yeah, well, but, but that, there's a reason for that tape. Well, right. right. We'll get, we'll get into the, that. The floodgates open, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have the first half guys, there was some, there was some chippiness. Uh, you could tell that Ray was getting a little pissed off at some mm-hmm. fouls that were, against him and what do you um, think his ankles look like right now because yeah not, they were not good at him. not good it, it, was, it was yeah tony it was a very choppy i guess i think we all agree it was it was a good start to the game especially on the road smooth but yeah it was very very choppy you know with fouls kind of going either way both ways but man mm-hmm. especially reynoso in that first 20 30 minutes he was just getting hammered he, foul yeah. after foul and you could tell he was getting frustrated well he's um, going to be the he's going to be the guy that teams are going to go after um he proved last year in his limited time with the loons that he is the cog of this team and teams are going to go after him and he's going to have to keep his you know he's going to have to stay a little bit more centered he can't be as pissed off as he was getting friday night he's got to watch himself especially now he has and later in the game he did get a yellow card so he's got to watch himself uh yeah. he can't be he, he can't be crazy if yeah he, yeah it was, a, it was it was the 30 second minute he got the yellow card and that you know yeah. He knew what he did right away. I mean, he, he showed a little remorse, which was, you know, which is mm-hmm. fine, but it was clearly a foul. Yeah. And but you, and also the thing you could tell just by watching the, the game on TV is that he was clearly frustrated and that his fouls, you know, I didn't think he wanted a couple cards. I, I'm not even going to say that he deserved to have, you know, those Seattle players uh, having a yellow card, but he, he wanted one, obviously. I know, you know, there's a couple – that were within close proximity to each other with, with regards to the time timing and it was all frustration, but um, yeah, I think he moved on from that. Uh, you know, I think he cooler heads prevailed there and uh, he was move, moved on and was able to finish the game, uh, you know, quite well, obviously. So. Well, he was uh, getting tangled up with uh, Joao Paulo a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why he wanted the card because uh, Joao Paulo uh, was the instigator on those on those fouls a lot and he was only he, he did end up getting his yellow card in the 50, 54th minute but uh he it took it took a while for it took, and it took a lot of fouls for it to happen so i can see his frustration but also another thing you notice about reynoso is that if you see him play in all the games he played in last year you very rarely saw him frustrated and his and his soccer was a lot better that way so you can see why this would be like you know whenever Whenever Reynoso is flustered, he doesn't play as well, um, which 
you know, I, I think that'd be true for any player, but he, you can definitely see the difference in his, in his gameplay on Friday night. And if that's and Connor, if that's the case, um, if teams are going to figure that out, uh, we're going to have problems because yeah. uh, he's either going to have to change or we're screwed because, well, hopefully it's just a, hopefully it was just an off night for him. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Um, the biggest first moment of this game guys was the uh, handball by Will Trapp in the box. Um, that of course is a penalty in soccer. Yeah. I, I, yeah and I mean, I, to be, I think it was, um, you, it was. I, I would listen to it, it argument, was. but his, his hand, he was in the box. Can't argue that. And mm-hmm. his hand was up unnaturally. I mean, it really was uh, his, just, I mean, I think you have to call that it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't disagree with that. What I, what I have a problem with is, uh, you know, prior to that, in fact, just prior to that, say in the last 20, 15, 10, 15 minutes prior to that, you know, Seattle had two potential handballs, right. You know, that could have been called against it. Now, the first one, there wasn't a whole, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot that, you know, the ball back in, in Seattle's box, the ball got kicked into his hand from a, a, a from a teammate in very close proximity. I wouldn't call that one. I don't think I, um, I agreed with the announcers. They didn't seem to think that it was a penalty. And I, you know, as a homer, maybe I would say it was, but I, I can see that one letting go. But then it was, um, it was a Tensio just, just before uh, Trap's handball that was in a very similar situation um, mm-hmm. with regards to a handball. I thought that one was called and they never, they didn't, I mean, I think they look at everything, but it, they didn't make it, it wasn't obvious from watching the broadcast that they, right. that they were looking at that one. Mm-hmm. And so then that's the frustrating thing is, you have a similar situation with Seattle and Intensio, and then it comes down to Will Trap. So I'm not well, so it's just frustrating in that regard. We get the penalty kick, of course, and Raul Ruiz Diaz gets it. Now, guys, let me ask you a quick question. Does Raul Ruiz Diaz look like a guy who would shank you in the prison yard, you know, for doing, you know, for looking at him weird? I mean, I think Draco says yes. Well, yeah, you can hear my dogs. For some reason, the, the front doorbell has ring. I don't know why. But, uh, I mean, I think I know where you – I mean, he definitely has – and he, he definitely – well, the way he plays the game, I mean, it's – Well, look, but look at what he looks like, though. I mean, he looks pissed off all the time. Yeah. I mean, Raul Ruiz yeah. is a guy I would not mess with. Yeah. That guy looks dangerous. Um, great player. And nothing wrong with it, but, man, he looks dangerous. Um well, but he is. So. Of course, at least on the pitch, he is. He goes to kick the free kick, and our man Dane, like the brick wall that he is, saves a free kick, which yeah, to, to his right. Yeah, to penalty his right. kick. Sorry, it, it it was it was a beautiful save. I you know I think uh, DSC did a great job in reading in reading Raul Ruiz in that situation. I think he clearly read him. Had it. I think he had it in his mind all the way which way it was going to go and just made a, a great diving stop. I almost thought to myself when I first saw it, it was like, oh boy, did he come off his line, you know? And uh, it was close. Well, it was close. I don't think he did. Like that. You he, always... It was bang, bang, you know, when he, yeah. he came off, do- he came up and out of the goal, but it was, I mean, the timing was, was pretty good. So yeah, just right. a, that was a huge one. Wow. That, that was huge. And then it wasn't, it was kind of bang, bang after that, because I think it was, who was, and it just, well, we had uh, we had a bunch of um, we had uh, Sonny Dotson tried to hit one. We had Rui Diaz missed outside. We had a bunch of 
bang bang plays and then of course like probably what uh oh yeah i guess seven, what I was thinking, after that after the save it you know he he, he reflected it and then it was mm-hmm. um uh smith uh, smith got a shot off and it was deflected i think but it went out for a corner so that that was a the high high stress high pressure high pressure situation but they got out of that you know obviously and then i think what i and to follow that up i think it was just i mean because that was in the 27th minute when the handball happened anyways but then it was it was if you want to talk about highlights which we should before we get to the lowlights it was it was in the 36 minute and uh ray came down the right hand side you know his just I think it was Ray coming down and then he got in close into the box and then it, he did kind of like a how do you how would you describe it like a sweeping left foot kind of pass to get it to Lude who had yeah Lude mm-hmm. it's not I mean Ray was just fantastic I mean he we can go on and on about what he can do and, and that pass was just unbelievable watching it's undefendable it isn't it when you know mm-hmm. when you've it's got just, the defense wrong-footed Mm-hmm. And then the, I, I want to give credit to Lude in this particular case because he, well, in one part of it, his run from the center of the midfield, you know, to come from inside to go outside of the to that near post, you know, as a, you know, with where, where Ray was, and he just had a beautiful run to capture that, and then damn it, off the post. I mean, that one was close. He really, um, he, you know, that's the way it goes. But I, you know, one thing I doesn't surprise me, but it did surprise me at the moment. So did you? If you guys were watching the broadcast, did you hear that uh, Minnesota were tied with the most um, hitting the post last year? Not surprising. Yeah, so their bad luck continues because that really Mm would have, obviously, like Heath likes to say, goals change the game. Well, they do. But, man, you know, that certainly could have changed things. You wouldn't, um, you know, maybe the floodgates wouldn't have opened later on because, you know, to get up a goal you know, early on the road helps. Of course, it didn't help them last year, but that certainly could have changed the game and how, how the rest of the game played out. So that was frustrating to see that. But uh, still, it was part of a half. You had that momentum with DSC saving that saving that penalty kick, and then you had, you know, some really promising attacking play. Maybe not so much in the final third. Now that was nice, but, you know, but he, nevertheless, at least you still had that high press working for you. And then before we start uh, criticizing too many people here, I, I do say that, yeah, they were very aggressive. I, I wonder if maybe they're going to think they were too aggressive um, over the course of that game because it did then lead to a number of Seattle's Seattle counters. Um, well, you know, like Christian Roldan running out, and then, but then here's what I'm saying: in, in the first half, there was Seattle had maybe you could argue that Seattle had the better opportunities. Um, we mentioned the one there by Lude, but and Ray, but Seattle maybe had the better opportunities. I thought the center backs. I thought. Um, Coleman was very solid. I thought he was extremely solid as long as well as Boxel, because you had, not only did you have that high press and then a lot of that was with regards to Gasper and uh, Metonier flanking up the sides. And then that kind of left a lot of it to, um, you know, Boxel and, and Coleman. And I thought they did this outstanding job of shutting Seattle down when they had those opportunities in the first half. And so I was impressed with that. We did. I mean, we did a great job in the first half. Unfortunately, we get to the second half, guys, and it's like the tale of two halves, good yep. half and then really bad half. And it started off, guys, uh, with this Paulo goal here. Um, I mean, you, that, you, that can't goal, take, you can't really take anything away from it. It was a magnificent no, goal. If you watch it again, you've watched the replay, guys. It is truly amazing yeah. um, because he it's a, it's a cross from the right side in the box. 
I think uh, Will Trap or Boxel, somebody heads it back it, out of it, the box. It, it was Will Trap, and like so up yeah. to that point, I mean, you know, it was it was a cross in, and you wouldn't you wouldn't fault the defending at that particular situation. They were in place, they were back, they were positioned well. The back four was, um, they were in a defensive position for sure. And then yes, Will Trap. I wouldn't say it was a bad clearance. I really wouldn't. Some people would no, know, but it's it not wasn't a bad, bad clearance. No, it was a not. long header, by the way. It, was, I mean, it wasn't a bad clearance. It was a nice stop by Paulo to kick it up to himself. If you guys, yeah. I mean, watch that. I, the yeah, guy, no, no, his no, footwork no. on that is ridiculously good. I, and it's, yeah. it, it, is, it is one of those shots where you are not stopping that. It's no, just, it's it's just not, the way it is. No goal. Yeah, it was that. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was his first touch volley, and mm -hmm. it was a spectacular goal. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's it's going to make most likely it'll make a season long highlight list for any team. Oh yeah, yeah. it yeah. was it was impressive. It's an early, it's an early contender for goals and goal of the year. I would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, and you look if if you know if 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 that if he if, if maybe he had made a run down the middle field and then I well, obviously it was a volley um, coming off that cross, but. You know, if he took that shot from range, you know, you look at where it went in and he placed it well in the upper left, but it wasn't like untouchable. But I think at that point, um, Dane just was he was clearly blocked by a number of you know, not only Minnesota players, but Seattle players. So he didn't have a view of it. You couldn't see that coming. Like you said, it was like a 15 yard clearance off mm -hmm. of little traps head. So you don't necessarily expect to see that come at you. Bang, bang. And that's what happened. It was no disrespect to Dane Sinclair in that one. Absolutely. No. So, well, and then of course we get, you know, we get that first goal from Seattle yeah. and I will say at this point that I was the thought that go through my mind that if we had lost this game, this was before all the other, all the other goals, goals are scored. If we had lost this game by that goal, maybe I wouldn't have been okay with it, but I think I would have accepted it. Yeah. Well, yeah. you would have, but that yeah. quickly, that's a race Connor, because I it mean, is. So we do get uh, Abila does come in here, guys, well, then, in the sixty fifth minute. And then, yeah, uh, one thing I would definitely want to get to is because it's another thing that just wants you to make, wants you to bang your head against the wall or something is because just that was the forty ninth minute, just you know, shortly after halftime started, not the way you want to start the half. But then, just a couple minutes later, um, Reynoso had a free kick from quite long range, probably 30, 35 yards, maybe longer. But it was a he took it extremely well took that free kick it was just two minutes later i think took that free kick well that's when um actually got it to the head of Coleman. who that's right you know, yeah. i was i got up off the couch because i thought there mm -hmm. it is Coleman yeah. headed it mm -hmm. into goal and then you know but it was uh what was it um it was christian roldan who yeah, Rodan gets of course yeah. roldan just he, he he sprinted right back he he yeah he saw it he saw it coming he got mm -hmm. back there and then was man kicked it off the line. It was clearly not a goal, and but that's just how frustrating, you know. You know, yeah. you sandwich their goal with a couple wonderful op opportunities by Lude and, and Coleman, you know, and, and thanks to Reynoso in both those cases, and that's why it just adds to the frustration because you get a goal sandwiched by two brilliant our best opportunities. But those are, I mean, so that's you know, guys, that's two goals. That post hit and then that goal, that almost is a goal here. That's that's two goals. Um, and you go back and you say, well, shit, we didn't get those two goals, but you got to keep trying, right? You got to right. keep attempting. We're only down by one goal. You're right. And then we almost get the goal from common and, you know, we're, 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 we're getting there, but yeah, it, I um, wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, the sky's not falling, you know, at that no, point, but at that point, no, but 
the deal is, like I said, guys, the 65th minute, obviously Heat is figuring it like, hey, we got to score some goals here. Uh, Abila comes in for Finley, which is weird because Hassani Dotson hadn't done shit all game. Right. right. And I was, I was, that's, I was, comp- I think we said that. I was complimenting Finley, you know, and his, I, I, I thought he did a good job of getting the ball into, into Lude and Reynoso mm-hmm. and, and his combination with Metnir was wonderful. So that, that, that was a little surprising not to, you know, to get uh, Dotson off the field at that point. Of course, but. Of course he, he shows off right when he gets in guys and you know, four minutes later, he attempts a, he attempts a right footed shot from outside well, the box. And it was a, it was a hard-hitting ball right there. He, 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 yeah. he might have wanted to do better with it, I mean, because it was well off target. But that is cool how his first touch as a Minnesota United player was mm-hmm. a shot. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, it was a bit off target. It came from and, – and for that matter, it came from Reynoso. So, yep. right. um, from a former, you know, former Boca Junior players. And to see that connection immediately as Abela's first touch was kind of cool. But, um, but uh, And, and later on – he had a better a better blast, you know, that was saved. Yeah. Right. In the end, but yeah, that's so, what but... you were talking about too, right, Tony? That's the the one you, the the hard hitting shot that you were yeah. talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one before that was uh, was a, a the attempted volley where it was a little bit of a half hit. Where I think yeah. you were talking about Dave. Uh, Might have had, that's what I meant. Might have had more time, but I did think yeah. it was yeah. cool. That was his first touch. Was it was a shot, which wasn't the only um, loon to make their first touch as a loon, a shot on goal as well, either in right. this game. So, and it was, again, guys, it, it, it chances, 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 chances. Uh, we had them. We didn't uh, do anything with them. Seattle had a bunch of them and they did uh, what they needed to do with them four times. So um, next goal, guys, another Seattle this, goal. This is where the wheels start to fall off. This yep. is really the train has left the track. And this is where the compliments kind of turn into critiques, you know, mm-hmm. for, for players that I was, um, you know, praising and complimenting earlier in the first half. It, you know, that has, you know, unfortunately, I have nothing but complaints and it, it all starts with Coleman. Yeah, and it's 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 Coleman gets pretty much. Well, he's not in position there. If you watch the video, well, he's not in position at all. Not in the best position, but it was just the way he tried. You know, he tried to, what do you want to call it? He tried to foul. He tried to, you know, he tried to take the ball away, maybe yeah. foul, um, whatever you want, however you want to describe it. Because basically mm-hmm. it ended with like a push and he fell mm-hmm. down. Yep. It was just not pretty. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right, Tony. He was not in position, you know, as that ball came in. Nope. Um, to, was it Will, is Will Bruin, I think, in that case. And yep. it just, not who scored, but um, who, who who made that was running down there, and he wasn't oh. he wasn't in a bit, and maybe that's what he was trying to make up for being in a bad position by trying to clip the ball or just yep. stab at the ball. But I don't even know how to describe it. It wasn't all around. It was just bad. It was yeah. He, he didn't make a good effort at the ball. He it wasn't a foul. He he kind of looked like he was going to push him, and then just fell to the ground. And at that point. He's done. Will Bruin can run in, make the crossover because at that point he left Boxel wide exposed. Like there was nothing yep. Boxel could do. Right. Yeah. Nothing Ailes guys can do at that point. I mean, you're exposed. Uh, you got two players coming in the box and there's three attackers coming at you. You have two defenders left. I mean, what are you going to do about it? The scary Raul Raul. Right. Raul Raul. Yes. Shankenstein's going to get it. So too easy. It was way too easy. Oh, yeah. It was, it's one of those things where 
okay, yeah, the first goal from Seattle, I get it. Great play, right? Right. This play is a mistake. So those are the time types of types of goals you see in in schoolyards. You know? Yeah, Just and the, those are types happens. and those types of goals that we saw, you know, three years ago, Connor. I mean, those, this is the type of stuff that would happen three years ago. Right. Um, and so finally, after that goal, we finally get Chase Gasper to get a yellow card because he was, you know, just starting to be really aggressive and back to his old self of just being, I don't know. He just, I'm not going to talk about Chase Gasper, but uh, 79th minute guys, we get uh, Ozzy Alonso to come in, which is weird. You, I like how you, I like you, how you, I like how you decided to skip over. You skipped third over goal. the third goal. Yeah. Oh, I skipped over the school, <laughs> third goal. Sorry. No, my bad. Yeah, oh goal. shit. It was happened yeah. so fast. I didn't realize it. Yeah. It, the, the wheels had fallen off with the right. first one, but so, I, I did yeah. make the comment though, after Redia scored, the, you know, scored his first to make it a two nil advantage for Seattle. I did make the comment that said, I said, I think it was after that point. I said, Oh, this sets up for perfect revenge. You know, Here's Minnesota. They're going to come back from being down right. two nil to, to to win the game, just you like uh, Minnesota us. lost. You know, after giving up a two nil lead uh, to Seattle. But but unfortunately, those words didn't last long because yeah, it was uh, Tony said seventieth minute for his first, but then it was seventy yeah. third. And unfortunately, you got to put this on. I think you can put on a couple of players, but I again, well, this has to you got to put this on 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 Coleman as well. Mm-hmm. And in this case, he just. He couldn't, well, you talk, it's a bad position, whatever you want to call it, but he could not keep up with um, no. it was Roldan, Christian Roldan, who was running, yeah. making a run, and he just, mm-hmm. he could not keep up with him. He Roldan went right past him. It was ugly. It's ugly to watch just because I think Coleman should have done a better job at anticipating his run and just Roldan just blew right past him, unfortunately. And it's, it's they, I mean, they were very close to being offsides in that play. Very close. Being offsides in that play, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, they weren't, and uh, they scored that goal. And that's, that's that was the, the that, that was the yeah, sorry the, I won that was the end I of it. Wanted to skip the rest of the goals, guys, because they were just terrible. I don't um, blame you, Tony. Don't blame you. So Gasper gets the card. Uh, Ozzy Alonso comes in, which is weird because it was the 79th minute. So I guess you know he's going well. We're pretty much out of this anyway, so why not put him in there? But I was thinking, I was thinking maybe that he's putting him in there to be at the last call for fans in Seattle, but we do play Seattle again in Seattle later in the season. So and, and Seattle comes to well that's true. Yeah, they, yeah. they play Seattle twice more. Yeah. yeah. And uh 81st yeah. minute guys McMaster comes in. I was excited about that. You know, because we yeah. talked about him since you know since the super draft, you know, left wing, mm-hmm. he could, you know, that he's drawn comparisons to Kevin Molino. And um so I was excited to see him in the first game. You know, you, you I think Minnesota has been really strong in their drafting over the last couple of years, especially well, several years, really. Um, and yeah. to have, you know, your first round draft pick come in in the first game, I know, granted it's a late substitution in a, in a three nil game, but still get him out in the field. Let's see him play. Let's see his minutes. And that's where I was kind of going earlier. It just so happens that Justin McMaster's first touch, you know, mm-hmm. as a Minnesota United player was a shot on goal. And that, that, that his shot was actually pretty, you know, it was safe, but it was a pretty impressive uh, shot, I thought. Yeah, it was, it could have been nice to him to score a goal, but um, it wasn't our night, guys. Just wasn't our night. And um, he finally came in, yeah, to clean that up. He, he finally, he did come in for Dotson on the left wing. To right. Uh, Retalia comes in uh, in the 70th minute for 
Coleman. So we've got that going on. And uh, and then we get he, uh, Vitalia didn't do anything to impress me. No. I mean, not at that point. The, no, the, at that point, yeah, the game's out of the game's, game's out of range over. by then. It's over, and the the Seattle scores a fourth goal, and it's just uh, once again by just Freddie a, Montero, and so just that a was, just yeah. a breakdown. I mean, it's it's it, well, I'm watching right now. It's like guys, defending was just shit on that. It was it was terrible. Who's but, defending yeah, I, Montero on that? Well, this uh, you know, I watched it a couple times too. Um, I. I don't know. It's hard to put that one on you. You could, you could put it on, I guess, anyone. I think this was just a case of you had that press They were, you know, they were up the field mm-hmm. pressing, attacking, they were down three nil at that point. What choice do you have? And so they, nobody was back. Nobody could get back. So they're, well, if you know, you can blame earlier. whoever you'd like, but um, go ahead, Connor. Well, if you notice uh, earlier on in the, in the replay, I think you see remain go down on the right side yeah uh, right when the, oh i didn't see that and that that, mm-hmm. that would explain it because there was nobody on the right side whatsoever. yeah and yeah, you just see him running in on the far side of the field completely open nobody yep. within five yards of him romaine did go down yeah romaine did go down um they uh, he, he he did look injured he didn't it didn't look like he was after, he was hit or anything he so uh, it's always scary when that happens, but then you see Freddie Montero on the on the left side, completely unmarked. Uh, it was a good cross and it was a good volley, so it, it's not like it was a tap in like the other goals. But uh, um, yeah, it's just complete, com- just a complete uh, failure in defense again on the right side. Shit show, guys. Shit show. Um, so we lose our opening game, guys, four nil. Uh, not the score or uh, we didn't expect the score at all um my main point out of this game guys is seattle like i said my text seattle is becoming to the loons what the yankees are to the minnesota twins right and that is a team but we cannot beat it doesn't matter if it's the playoffs it doesn't matter if it's regular season it's almost like it's got this aura around them that we just cannot compete with and we played a great first half, but the second half looked like shit. And the defense let us down. I don't know if this was just like first game jitters or what it was, but well, we got to make it. We, we got to do something. Yeah, uh, you, this game against RSL, but yeah. I'll tell you, Tony, it's a little, you know, the comp that you made, you know, inner sport comp is, is, probably a good one because you have different you know they what is this they, now they've lost especially in seattle they lost seven times they haven't won there at all and i think i wish i had the number in front of me i don't but it, it doesn't really matter what the exact numbers are it was so that is something like it's, it's the last seven wins seven wins and one seven, seven losses and one draw against seattle since entering the mls in seattle or oh no all together all together okay. So it's all together, it's bad, but but especially in Seattle. And then the other stat that jumped out at me was just the fact that they had the loons have been outscored in the final 30 minutes against Seattle. And then the, the margin was just that's what I wish I had in front of me. The margin was just outrageous. It was nine two. Nine two. Oh, I thought it was worse yeah. than that. It was nine. That's, well, now it's worse than that. That's pretty yeah. bad though. Yeah. It, whatever. I mean, it, it's bad. And that that's a little disturbing especially you know because you can look at okay fine the wheels came off and they gave up the fourth goal but you know what happened yeah it's just like the the uh, it's just it's it was a complete complete breakdown is what it was um now 
we're going away from that game because that game is completely done. Okay, whatever. We get RSL here on Saturday, guys. Right. RSL has – I don't think they played a game yet. I don't think so either. I'm not sure. I think they were – I think they're one of the teams that was off this week. Yeah. So it's the, the 27 teams, so one team is off. That must have been them. Yeah. Mm. So RSL comes into town to Allianz Field. Uh, we will have about 5,000 fans at the game. Uh, myself will be there. Uh, Connor will be there. Dave might yep. be there. Most, um, 50-50. Most 50-50. Um, so we're going to go, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out because we haven't been back in that stadium for, well, since the playoff loss. Um, and it's going to be weird to watch this team live at Allianz field and, uh, be masked up and, uh, ready to go. My question to you guys though, is, is the Seattle, was the Seattle game just a fluke? Was it a fluke? And we're going to look better at home, or is this team really kind of, I don't know, not, not right right now? Yeah. I mean, is it, is well, it just kind of, you know? I, I think it was a fluke. Um, it's always hard to go into Seattle and get a win. Uh, it's hard for any team, let alone Minnesota. So, and, but I mean, obviously, I didn't expect it to, to turn out to be for nothing, but. Uh, it's Seattle's always a hard place to go go and play, especially at the beginning of the season when uh, nobody's played soccer, play, played competitive soccer for four months. Um, when Minnesota comes back to Allianz Field and sees fans in the stands, and they're playing against a team like Real Salt Lake, who were very unimpressive last year, um, I I think we'll have our confidence back. We're, we're going to be mad. And we're going to be revving from the Seattle loss, and we're going to want to. I think I think the team is going to want to get that first win more than ever. So when you see, like Tony, you and I will both be there. I'm personally very much looking forward to it. I've missed that place so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Min- when Minnesota steps on the field, I'm predicting nothing but a win for Minnesota. I, I'm I'm pretty sh- I'm about I won't say 100 percent but let's say 95 percent sure Minnesota will win. Is it yeah. is it a trap game though, Connor? Is it, it well? Is it, it is. It it, I, it well, could. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. You no, you were yeah. Tony asked you the question, so in your opinion, uh, uh, is it a trap game? In this case, I don't think so. I think that I, I think that um, you know Minnesota is not really in a high place right now. And what I consider a trap game is when a team is, fl- is flying high from winning a lot um, and then they play against a team that might not necessarily beat them, uh, that's a trap game. But Well, uh, hold on. I, I get what you're saying, Connor. I, there's two, two ways to look at a trap game. One is what you're talking about. Two is a team that's supposedly really good, but they've lost a game previously and they're playing against a team that's very – low quality which rsl is pretty much and that whole kind of streak continues because they haven't gotten out of their funk yet um they don't play as well because they're kind of still you know wreathing from the last game uh we do have uh we do have some breaking news here yes, guys from from our from our former former colleague david sterling 
uh, Andy Greeter uh, from, I think he's Pioneer Press, is reporting we're about to pay $3.6 million for Hanu uh, to come over here. From the uh, From Stavrinan. Now, League One, uh, Liga One, or League, what do you call it? Ligue, 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 French League. Liga I, I, I can tell you after spending several weeks up in Quebec, the French pronunciation French pronunciation is difficult. So I, I cut, so cut myself some slack and you guys. Their, their season ends May 23rd. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's released before that or if he's released after that. Um, but the timing will be interested, you know, interesting because yeah, okay. So it could work out if they want to keep him through the end of the League One season. They could do that, and they could they could transfer him over in that following week. But you know, the question is, will they wait? Because I think the number is, um, he's 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 played eight minutes in the last five games over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. So he he's not seeing the field. I think the, their last match. I don't know who they're playing, but they lost three three nil. He didn't see the field at all in their last game and then very little just minutes over the last five games in the month. So, you know, if they're not, if he's just sitting on the bench for, you know, maybe, maybe they can get him out of there sooner, you know, cause obviously the time, the sooner, the better, you know, so that will be interesting because, you know, from all accounts, well, I shouldn't say all accounts, but you know, it, you could see like Franco Pane um, from Argentina. He, you know, the timing is, you know, they expect him, you know, he could be first, I guess, to get over if, here, but you never know. If we if get that him. deal gets done. If that deal gets done. And that's well, the thing. There's a little time. Will, but, yeah. The funny thing is, guys, I we were texting back and forth um, with all four of us. Sterling is included in our texting. And we're talking about international roster spots. And Sterling was thinking that we had one available. We actually have two guys. We do, yeah. Because... Um, our friend Jan Gregus got his green card. Yes. So he's no longer international. And I didn't think we talked. Yeah. So come, I, that, that was news. That was the latest news, I think, at least for me. And then the other things, I don't think we talked about this here, but I think it's probably common knowledge that um, uh, Tommy Chacon, he's on loan with Liverpool FC down in yeah. uh, Uruguay. Mm-hmm. And then also they Noah Billingsley is on loan to, I think, Phoenix Rising. Phoenix Rising, yep, yep. yep. So Which is surprising. That, that clears up, you know, now you get with Gregus and those two, that was three international spots that previously weren't available, but now, yeah, that leaves you two. So even if they do yep. get Adrian Hanu, uh, who's a primarily a center forward, I think Sterling mentioned that he could, left. he has and could play out on the left wing spot. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting if they could speed that up. Um, and then Frank Apane, if that deal gets done. I guess I'm, I was just assuming that it did, but there is no guarantee that will get done, but that, that, that would uh, fill up your last two international spots. I don't think they're going to get both guys. I just no, don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think the Hanu thing is because they couldn't get Fragapone in here. I think because right. that, that there was a hitch in that deal. I think they decided that they're going to go after Hanu. Why now. are you assuming there's a hitch in that deal? I don't um, that's what I get. Just some rumors I've seen on Twitter. Um, yeah. There's been some rumors that um, what was the deal, Connor? He was not supposed to play, right? And then they ended up playing him. Uh, so they suspect that the team that was going to let him go doesn't want to let him go anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to keep him around. And what so, did you know that Tony? I, all I saw was that ta- talks have uh, have basically taken a turn for the worst. Well, it was in in. People, I, I I'm not for certain because this was a couple of days ago. There was 
I think it was it was close to being agreed upon. And then the team he plays with decided to play him in a game. And United had said, no, we need, you know, if he's going to come here, don't play him any more games. And then the team he was going to leave from has kind of had second thoughts about letting him leave because they're letting another guy leave, I think. They're doing a transfer with another player in the same position. I, it's It's all – kind of crazy when you're talking about international stuff especially down in south america it's tough to get a read on what these teams are doing so um frankly i don't think we're getting both those guys because we don't don't, we that would just be flipping nuts i mean that would just be overabundance of talent there um and And quite frankly i don't think we need both of those guys Mm -mm. um well especially with with i mean if it with you got Abila now, mm-hmm. who's obviously a striker, and so who mm-hmm. know pr- primarily is a striker. Although, like like I said, or Sterling said, if if you if you could play left wing, that would be that would be massive. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Right. And uh, you know, but can you really have enough talent? I mean, especially. Well, no, you can't. But it, well, it just depends. I guess it depends. You know, we went into the season saying, "Oh, our depth at uh, our depth in the back line is great," but you know, who knows if the Bossy's injury turns out to be more serious than we are hoping it is. That could be an issue all of a sudden. Um, Ike Opara did make the roster, we should say, you know, heading into the season. So he is still on the roster. That is still a question mark. But that's that's again, I'm a little concerned about that because like we talked on the last episode supposedly they were going to let him go. I mean, that well, was right. Keith's deal. And, and now that's that, I think that point has passed. Yeah. So well, I'd be, that's what I'm saying. It maybe there's reason to be optimistic about his return because if he was, he made the roster heading into mm-hmm. the, the season opener. So that's gotta be somewhat of a positive sign. Now he's comments after the game. were not, we're as clear as mud. They, you know, we'll see when we get back, we'll see when we get back, but, who knows? He theoretically could be on the pitch on Saturday night against RSL. So we, that's great. But let's quickly. Ike Opara is, uh, even if he's on the pitch, that he doesn't. He's not match fit. No, he's. I not. mean, he's just not. He's, he's over a year. Now. He hasn't played in over a year now. No. I mean, it's yeah, no. it's one of those deals where love to see him back, but can he come back? I, I just don't know. Um, and Dave. I mean, your point is, can you have enough depth? Well, yeah, you can if you play in L.A. or Atlanta or some of the bigger places. We're not those places. Mm-hmm. We can't afford well, to be spending money frivolously on Tony, depth. Tony, you're right. You're right. Except for the point that if we, we're in the loons are inside of a window right now. And I think we brought I think that they might, maybe they're thinking they're in a win now mentality. And when I say win now, I mean, win this year, you know, considering the success that they had last year, you know, maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're going to open up the, you know, the vault a little bit and spend heavy this year thinking that, Hey, this is our chance. Let's go at it now. And if you're going to spend all the money you can, and they aren't, they don't have a lot of depth, especially at left wing. So if they can get a guy like Frank Bonnie and then Adrian, who know who could play left wing as well, you know, maybe that's the move they make to make the push for this season specifically. Which brings me to my last point, guys, before we get out of here. Um, Adrian Heath has talked this year and said, it's not a winning season unless we win a cup or a or, or, or hardware, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably only going to be one hardware this year, guys, because yeah. 
the U.S. Open Cup has decided to postpone their tournament until later in the season, which does not bode well from playing the U.S. Open Cup this year anyways, because frankly, playing later in the season is going to rub up against too many international spots and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I don't right. like it late. I wouldn't like it later in the season too, because then that, yeah, it's a, it's a scheduling gets too compact, especially when you're going down the stretch in a play, potential playoff run for all these teams. I, I, I wouldn't like the timing of it. Definitely. Yeah. Not. And so we really, you're, you're right, Dave. I mean, a window for us and, and Adrian Heath's probably feeling the heat right now because yeah, he needs to win. They need to win some hardware, but yeah. There's really only, I mean, they're actually, okay, guys, there's two hardwares they could win this year the MLS Cup and the Supporter Shield. Okay. After last week's game, you think you're winning Supporter Shield this year? Well, no, now, wait not let's way. not jump to conclusions. Now, if you, if we want to do our weekly check on the standings, uh, they don't yeah. look too well right now. They're in dead yeah. last in the West, but I mean, it, it is one game, it is one road game into the season. So, yeah, let's not I mean, assume they're not going to be in the running for the supporter shield although none of us I, well i don't none of us predicted they would win the supporters cup shield this year but obviously things could change especially if they can bring in you know like Keith wanted a couple more players we'll see whether that's one more two more see what happens right, the supporter shield thing this year guys is interesting because of the fact that uh the schedules are we're not playing the eastern conference more than what i think we have two games against the eastern conference this year we're playing more in the western conference and we're actually playing in kind of a pod system so our pod, I think, includes Seattle and RSL and stuff like that. So we have an opportunity this year, but I don't think it's going to happen. And um, if Heath is really feeling the heat about this year, then maybe you're right, Dave. Maybe uh, Frangapone does come in with Panu and we get them both, you know. Who knows? No. I, at least, at least, it's something to create some excitement. Although we've we've seen in the past that this this can be a drawn out process, but and it, it, we're not gonna, you know, maybe we'll know tomorrow, but we may not know until June first. Um, it's it's hard to say. Potentially, and like I said, they they could let him play out the rest of his games in France, and uh, then he'd be over here. You're right, in June first, or they could say, hey, we don't need him, and uh, he's on a plane uh, this week, and uh, he's here. So, um. I think this about wraps it up, guys. So, loss against Seattle, uh, troubling. Uh, game against RSL this Saturday. Hopeful that uh, interrupted by the breaking news. I would, yeah. you know, if you're asking me, if you're putting me on the spot, I'd say, you know, I would expect, like Connor said, I would expect nothing less than a win. Um, but you know, RSL could it be a trap game? I don't, I don't think so. It's too early in the season, especially when you're coming off a loss. So you know, you know, maybe if they're high flying coming out of Seattle with a four nil win, maybe. But I think right. that like I think everything that I'll mirror everything that Connor says. And but it is, a, a, I think, an underrated somehow over the last couple of seasons. Seattle, uh, RSL has managed to be stay under the radar as an uh, you know they're they're a good team out in the West, and it's not. It's not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I think the things that'll be interesting to, to see as the week progresses is the health of, say, a Debassi. But again, he didn't play at all in the preseason. So even if he does get healthy, I don't know if you could expect him to start. And, uh, you know, could Nico Hansen, is how, what was the severity of his injury? And then, of course, how match fit is Abila now? Could we see him start? Which I would love to see, but who knows? Well, I predict we'll be seeing Wonderwall at the end of that game. 
I mean, with our masks on, of course. Yep. I mean, we'll be masked up and we'll see Wonderwall, which would be nice. Um, before we get out of here, guys, um, I do want to say one last thing about going to Allianz Field this Saturday. It's going to be weird, not only for the fact there's not going to be a lot of people there, but getting there. You know, we're also used to taking the light rail to Allianz Field. I mean, either of you guys have a little bit of a kind of a, a trepidation about taking light rail to Allianz Field? Well, my short answer is yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And for a variety of reasons, um, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I do. Yes, to answer your question, because I do. Where, where, you know, where would I jump off? And then especially after the, it's more so after the game, I don't want to have to rely on the light rail. So I don't know if I was going to a game, you know, there's no short from parking, driving and parking. Yeah. You know, and walking a little ways. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I, I have out of necessity, you know, taking Ubers since uh, during the COVID and mm -hmm. I'd be relatively comfortable doing that. Maybe that's the best option. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I don't have a plan if, you know, as of yet, but. I've never taken the the light rail to a game. So. Oh, I, really? Yeah. yeah I've, I've always been able to find, uh, I don't know why more people don't park here, but um, there's a place right across the street from Allianz field where there's churches and uh, mm -hmm. nobody seems to park there. Well, don't so, say it now. Well, there's only 5,000 people going this time. I suppose, yeah. And it, it's funny because Allianz feel or the loons are saying, hey, we can park right at the stadium here. Come, come park here. Well, yeah, with 5,000 people, I mean, yeah. parking is going to be available pretty much everywhere. So right. that's my thing. It's like, do you drive down there now? Do you park around there? Do you, you know, or do you still Uber? I, I, I just, I, I don't know. So yeah. I guess I'll be all figured out next week. So, uh, so for, uh, I just want to say, uh, we have a sponsor, of course, Roughneck Scarves, guys. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to US, or MLS, USL and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Uh, for myself, Tony, for Dave and Connor, We'll talk to you guys hopefully after a Loon's victory against RSL. And I have to say before we go, I'm sorry to step in and tell but congratulations to Mason Toy. Uh, he scored uh, his first goal for Montreal FC within, I think, 12 minutes of the game. And yeah. also an another shout out to a guy that we've talked about several times in the podcast now, Caden Clark for the Red Bulls, um, scored a beauty of a volley goal in their game and I think early in the second half. So, wow. although like, they ended up losing the game, but yeah, a couple shout outs to those goals, but uh, in MLS's opening weekend. So here we go. So, All right. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll All talk right. to you next week sometime. That All sounds right. good. Bye.